And um, please be seated if you already are. This is kind of a, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of a big weekend um, for me personally and for many of us. But for me personally, um, this weekend, uh, Jane and I celebrated our 44th anniversary on Friday, which, uh, and we got married on that day because we heard that there was a uh, little girl that had been born on June 17th up in Michigan, um, Teresa Santos. And we thought we wanted to be married on the same day. Um, and then we, we also thought, you know, I bet you someday her, her oldest son is going to get married on that day too. And so it seemed like a pretty special day. Um, and then my parents also got married on that day, so um, that was another part of it. And then that was the only Saturday available that particular June. So, <clears throat> but um, anyway, it's been kind of a special weekend for that. There's also one other thing that, that is, that, that part of is, is emotional, and then there's also the fact that on, on Father's Day in 2002, my father passed away, um, and that was um, sudden and not expected, <clears throat> and um, it happened on June 16th, and he was a really good, good guy, um, and that, so that comes back around every year on Father's Day. It's not a sad, it's a sad feeling to have lost him. I feel really blessed to have had him. Um, he's a good guy. Um, so those things, those emotions kind of pile up on this weekend, um, but they're all good. So today I'm going to be talking about living the legacy. We began the service today with the Beatles song, Let, Let It Be. It might seem like a strange choice because one of the main lines in it is, uh, when I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. So why lead a song that begins with Mother Mary? Mother Mary doesn't re- isn't a religious reference. It is Paul, Paul McCartney talking about his own mother. It's him talking about her coming to him in a dream when he was feeling really down. That's where that song, that line originates. It's a parenting thing. It's a mom thing. It's a dad thing. It's being there when your kids need you to be there. Paul's mom died when he was 14. And so that's, that's, what, that's the, the meaning behind that. And that's why you start off this service with that, that image of when you find yourself in times of trouble, you go to the one who you know loves you unconditionally. And that can be your mom, it can be your dad, it can be somebody else's mom or dad. It can be somebody who's not a mom or dad to anybody else. And it also can be God. <clears throat> there are many exceptional biological fathers, but there are also many non-biological fathers who fill that role. Some of these are men and some are women. What's needed by every child is a parent who unconditionally loves them, who comes to them in times of trouble, not necessarily to fix things, but, for them to, but to help them through the rough spots. There's a thing now called legacy parenting. It speaks to parenting with intention rather than parenting in response to the situation. It goes beyond an approach that emphasizes enforcing rules or 
adhering to roles, to what messages we send to our children by our expectations and how we do things. As I mentioned earlier, the most primal fear of any child is being abandoned. They are born helpless and need parents who will care for them. More than their physical needs, they need to be assured of being loved and, <clears throat> and safe. They need parents who value and embrace them. Parents willing to know themselves well enough that they are aware of their own weaknesses and blind spots. A former student of mine, Veronica Meekin, recently published a book called The Motherfly Effect. The title and the concept are an application of the butterfly effect, which is the foundation for chaos theory and goes and how this is how it goes is that it's a concept that when a butterfly flaps its wings in Beijing, it affects the weather in New York City. Another way of saying this is that the little things make a difference. Veronica presents in a very conversational way how really focusing on your kids as well as recognizing your own needs sets the foundation to raising kids who will grow up to be responsible, reflective, honest, and loving adults. I think if we were to interview God, this might be his goal for us also. He wishes to raise us to be people like that. If we obey all the biblical rules that are, but are judgmental and hateful to anyone who like, not like us, I think that's troubling to God. So what do we teach our kids when they are talking to us and we are focusing somewhere else, even if we're nodding our heads? What do we teach our kids when we mess up but make excuses rather than owning it? What do we teach our kids when we play with them like they want to play? Allow them to learn and support them through their inevitable mistakes. How does this relate to our lives as Christians? Do they hear the words we use to describe God's and the words we use to describe our parents? When we call God the Father, think of what that brings to mind. We call the men who helped created us Father, Dad, Papa, Pops, Daddy. Once we're created, how do we describe them? Loving, attentive, supportive, a guiding force, explores our thoughts with good questions, ever-present, mindful of his legacy, honest, understands his limitations and his strengths, an attentive companion, a teacher. Those are words that I got from friends of mine and my own kids. And then there's God the Father. Who's he? Well, he's ever-present. He's forgiving. He's loving. He's attentive. He's our teacher. He treats us with grace and patience. God's loving presence is always with us. His legacy is for us to grow and love others. The reading day today from 1 Corinthians that is often associated with weddings might also be the opening to a book on parenting. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. While most try to embrace this sentiment, we all fall short some of the time. Some forget this is the goal. Some never knew. A woman once broke down in a therapy group talking about her father, a minister, who physically, emotionally, and sexually abused her. For her, when he spoke of God the Father, it made her distance herself from God. She had an idea of what a father was, and she didn't want God to be that kind of person. 
Others have a similar experience, making it necessary to find someone else to fill this role. When earthly fathers fall short, then others step in. Sometimes these are other men, sometimes women. Adults being there for kids is not gender-specific. It's a thing, a very necessary thing. It's where kids go when they don't understand. It's where they go when they need love and acceptance. It's where they go when they need to laugh and where they can cry and be told not to stop that. When adults step into the parenting role, they create a legacy of love and connection that impacts many in the future. Recently, I attended a memorial service for a former high school Hall of Fame baseball coach who was once a teacher in a school where I was an administrator. The theater where it was held was full with former baseball players who lauded him for his coaching, but more so for the relationship with him. Many called him a father figure. The cool thing about this coach, though, was that you could have filled the same theater with non-athletic, troubled kids who also saw him as a father figure. Those are the stories I know. His legacy continues in their lives also. The man who led the memorial was one of those kids. God's presence is like that. He shows us how it's done. The spirit of love that is God surrounds us and guides us, if we allow it to. It teaches us no matter what we do. Where are those parents who, there are those parents who play act parenting. Where 1 Corinthians says love is never boastful, they miss that part. Parents who play with their kids publicly but ignore them privately are not creating a positive model. They're creating a model of looking good, a dishonest representation not lost on their kids and also obvious to those who may notice that parents in those situations are particularly keen on noticing the reaction they are getting. When we do something for the wrong purposes to inflate our stature with others, there's a gut feeling that is not so pleasant. We recognize at that moment that our motives may not have been so pure. Matthew speaks about this too when talking about praying and how to pray. Meaningful prayer isn't done loudly and publicly. It's in our hearts and between us and God in a way in which we can listen. Meaningful parenting is done between us and our kids. When our concern is the reaction around us, it feels hollow. That also is a God message. God's presence is evident also when we hurt someone. Either out of anger or our own hurt, we feel it, just like when we disappoint our parents. At that moment, we're moving away from God. God isn't moving away from us. He's always there. But when we let hate or anger run on us, we may feel an adrenaline rush, but not the peace that comes with love. That's the feeling when God is smiling at us and nodding his head. I imagine at those times when we stray, he's still beside us, watching and waiting for us to get it. Then a knowing smile appears and we feel understood, forgiven. We feel God's grace. The God hug that follows feels like peace. That's Art Garfunkel following his blind friend through the train station and the required train changes to get home. That's us when we notice our kids becoming who we raised them to be or learning when they are not, when they're off the path. That's the legacy that we as parents seek to leave our kids so that the world becomes one 
where understanding and compassion rule the day. That's how we create people who recognize the pain of hate and hurt and work to heal. That's when we, rec- when we notice that not only do hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. There's a song that I'd like to use to conclude this message. It was written by Dan Fogelberg about his father. It can be, you can listen to this and think about the, um, your own fathers, the people in your life who might have been fathers, and we can also think about God the Father. And most of these things are, and these things are, are all true about that. Like I said, I'm going to sing the last verse in the chorus. Thank you for your music and your stories of the road. I thank you for my freedom when it came my time to go. I thank you for your kindness and the times that you got tough. And Papa, I don't think I said I love you near enough. The leader of the band is tired and his eyes are growing old. But his blood runs through my instrument and his song is in my soul. My life has been a poor attempt to imitate the man. I'm just a living legacy to the leader of the band. I am the living legacy to the leader of the band. Amen. Now please stand if you're able and sing hymn number, I don't have it written down, 128, He Leadeth Me. Words will be on the screen. <laughs>